Dong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 60th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for January 1981, progs 193 to 197. This week, we'll meet some old friends as the Fink comes to town, learn the history of street football, beat some bad boys with a strontium dog, and melt down with Return to Armageddon? What? <laughs> oh, God, gross. Exactly. I remember that. <laughs> man, every time we groan about the episode number, I think back to uh, us saying, man, that's so many episodes when it was like episode 20 or something. <laughs> like it's a lot. <laughs> It's and, a larger number than zero. In, I am impressed. Indeed. Anyhow, let's get it going. Fox with Thrill One Strontium Dog. So script robot for Strontium Dog is Alan Grant. Art robots Carlos Escara. Lettering robots are Tony Jacob and Steve Potter. So. Man, they really want to crush a bro. <laughs> yeah, man. We pick up where we left off last week. Or two weeks ago, I guess, on the planet M Skell, where Johnny Alpha and Wolf are having second thoughts about bringing in Doc Quince to be executed by the king, because the king is clearly insane. He executes dozens of people a day by dropping huge rocks on them from sca- from uh, scaffoldings into like these like rock cup kind of things. So it's time to get these guys out of here. Wolf snags the princess while Johnny breaks up the execution. In the process, the king and his right-hand man end up getting crushed by rocks themselves. Oh, man. (laughs) Splat, splat, splat. Yeah, this makes Doc Quince's wife, Rubella, now the new queen of the planet. She uh, asserts her authority and ends the conflict. Doc Quince is now King Quince. And the boys head off on their next adventure. And I guess just screw those dudes back at that Fever <laughs> Creek town. Like, Dude, as soon as he died, everybody who was on the walls and just like in the city started screaming, Hooray, the king is dead. <laughs> That's why you gotta be like a decent ruler, dude. That way, you know, people at least build a monument to you or something when you die from your execution-based death. Let's just say the transition wasn't really a rough period. It's true, yeah. So, anyhow, speaking of transitions, here we go. We're on the planet Alzir, where a caravan is under attack from Bubo and the Bad Boys, a gang of baboon men riding two-legged dino horses. Zap the saps! They're kind of like naked chocobos yeah they're they're called morks the the riding dinos so if if the bad boys' rifles don't get you their man-eating teeth will they're hungry for human flesh and messing up the town of esmeralda the town organizes a posse to take them out but it's swiftly ambushed and eaten alive as well oh and then they, like, strip them naked and tie them to poles and, like, roast them over spit Very, very esoteric ways of cooking human bodies, yes. So, what can be done? Luckily, the mayor has called in some pros, our buddies, Johnny Alpha and Wolf. For a thousand credits, half now, half after the kill, they'll take down that bandit. The game is afoot. Oh, man. So... Johnny and Wolf are on the hunt for Bubo and the Bad Boys, who are definitely eating people. <laughs> but, again, you know, I mean, they're baboon men, so I guess it's not like cannibalism, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> I, it's definitely something. It's, they're all right with just, like, chilling by a fire while a dude screams because he's still alive. Absolutely, yeah. So, the bo- uh, so, so our guys track Bubo et al. to find them attacking a train. They're riding up to the train on their morks, which are the riding beasts. They're taking hostages. They're killing everybody in their way. They're looking for valuables and three fat saps for supper. They um, throw a dude into the uh, into the heated coal engine of the train. These, like, bad boys don't give a crap, dude. <laughs> it's pretty bad. They just kill people out of hand and then eat their corpses, man. <laughs> um... So, Wolf's Mork is killed, uh, but Johnny keeps riding up. He eventually jumps aboard the train right into the gun of one of the bad boys. 
snap. What's he going to do? Well, luckily, Wolf is still, like, you know, behind the train, so he's able to provide some fire support, and he shoots that bad boy from a distance as the train speeds off. Johnny then pre- then proceeds to under siege to dark territory his way through the train, <laughs> which is like dieharding through a place, but when it's a train, um, <laughs> taking down just a bunch of bad guys as he goes. Amazing. Eventually, Bubo decides to ditch the train. He ties the throttle to Max as it approaches a bridge over a big cliff, and all of his gang bails out. Johnny gets the locomotive just in time to be too late, and the train goes over a cliff. Oh, no! Not great situation when you're, like, trying to stop this train from killing all the people. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. The train goes over, and Johnny is trapped in the destroyed locomotive. Wolf rushes to his friend's side and frees him. Worried for his health, Johnny, or sorry, Wolf carries Johnny to the nearby town and gets a medical attention. Then he grabs his happy stick and a spare mork and goes to work. Oh, hell yeah. As the bad boys knife fight to decide who will eat dinner and who will be dinner, which is, oh man, uh, uh, the, the, the bad boys are fighting about who's going to eat and, and Bubo just pulls out two knives, throws them in the ground and says like, hey, you two take these knives, fight to the death, whoever wins <laughs> eats, whoever dies is eaten. So, so I guess they are cannibals. I don't know. It's um, just amazing. <laughs> so Wolf attacks their camp. He guns down a couple of them with the infrared scope on his gun and then receives a mental message from Johnny in his sickbed that lets him avoid a sneak attack by Bubo himself. And in, smashes him right across the damn face. Instead, we, yeah, we got a couple pretty graphic pictures of Wolf just beating Bubo to death <laughs> with a sledgehammer. So, like... <laughs> If you if you've wanted to see like a, a dude sledgehammer a baboon to death, like this is this is your option. <laughs> it's pretty cool, to be honest. It's, I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> it uh, it happens all pretty quick, and it looks great. Yeah, Wolf ba- back in town with the uh, with the danger um, handled. Wolf sends for the Gronk that's currently on vacation with a bunch of other Gronks. They're all named the Gronk, by the way, which is complicated. Um, <laughs> this is really- and now Johnny's on the mend after Gronk's ministrations. The team gets paid, and it's good times. Strontium Dog will return in Prague 200. Man, I gotta wait, like, three Progs? Man, Prague 200's so close, it's really freaking me out, Fox. <laughs> Is that... Should I be worried? No, man. Oh, geez, it's gonna be when John when Strontium Dog comes back. It's gonna be so good. It's uh <laughs> it's the start of the Portrait of a Mutant storyline, which is the Strontium Dog backstory saga, which is basically just gonna be it's gonna be sort of the spine story for the early for the for the rest of this year, basically. Um, That's awesome. it's gonna be fantastic. We're gonna meet all everyone's top mutants. Um, whether you like the torso from Newcastle, like me, or you, uh, like, like Midhead McNulty, or any of those guys. Oh, they're all gonna be there. It's gonna be so good. <laughs> what the hell? You'll see. I have no idea what you're talking about. Exactly. Hey, speaking of things that are complicated, and also backstories <laughs> of things, Fox. <laughs> it's Thrill to Mean Arena. So... God. Script robot for Mean Arena is Tom Tully. Art robots John Richardson. Lettering robots Tony Jacob. So once again, we get walked through the fact that hey, look, we take care of the people for all of the things when we move them out. Well, it's this. I mean, again, this is sort of. I feel like this is just the Tom Tully. I mean, I've, I've said this before. This is sort of the Tom Tully thing, where the first page of every comic is basically the last page of the previous one. So, yeah. yeah, we see the same stuff. It's September 20, uh, 2021. The streets of Southampton have been cleared out. The residents moved to nearby hotels in luxury, except for an old couple at a newsagent's who will shotgun you if you get too close. <sighs> uh, the mean arena match is about to begin. Meanwhile, Matt Talon is using that new Wallbuster suit we saw last time, which is luckily awesome. no longer liquefying the user's bones. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to something, hand wave, etc. Yeah, it worked, whatever. (laughs) Slayers Slayers all have, or Slater's Slayers all have brand new equipment, both for Talon, the Shield Dudes, Napoleon Jones, and JT Venner, and the ball handler, Red Rogan. I want to mention Fox. um, Yeah. I don't know if you recall this, but one of the team members in Inferno um, had the last name of Venner also. 
which yeah. I can't tell if this is like that guy's dad or him or whatever, but just something to keep an eye out for. Interesting. Yeah. We got the pregame ritual, apparently, where the starters and the subs of each uh, street football team, like... Square off, and the subs wish that the starters die so that they'll take their place. And the guy who's subbing in for Talon is like, "Oh man, Talon's not never gonna die. I'm never gonna make the big leagues." Everyone's like, "Oh, don't be so sure," which is weird foreshadowing, I guess. <laughs> he looks kind of like a weird ape guy with yeah. sideburns. And oh yeah, chops. absolutely. Um, it's it's this is all weird, but I guess. <laughs> You know, whatever. It's more sport than we've ever learned about. I just think that they're trying to play up the fact that street football is really violent and stuff. So, you know, yeah, exactly. this is sort of a, a new version of like the we who are about to die salute you thing from like ancient Rome. So it's uh, it's almost game time. Slayers vs. Sharks. But uh, but first, hey, whatever. Let's have a, a brief history of street football. <laughs> we start Which, with the history right. of soccer. Or I guess, you know, European football. Or I guess non-America football. <laughs> Where, you know, Romans hit Sever's heads around. And it sort of evolves and goes through until finally you get to, like, Roy of the Rovers and a bunch of football references that are just way over my head. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, it's just about a bunch of what appears to be, the way they're spinning it, just criminals. Well, who, I mean, eventually... Like, make this league. Yeah, well, I mean, eventually, um, professional football gives way to hooliganism. You know, you hate those, 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 those uh, football hooligans, Fox. I know you do. Um, and so to keep kids off the streets and being hooligans, instead, communities start organizing giant football matches, like 20 on 20 things that get shut down because there's just too many people. And they don't fit on uh, regulation pitches at, like, you know, the places they're supposed to be. So they just t- take it onto the street. And eventually this sort of gets, you know, organized and commoditized. And so we have street football. Ta-da! Yeah. The history. Well, there you go. <laughs> just a lot of a lot of cynical stuff about pro sports, essentially. <laughs> it's amazing. With the history done, we also get a chance to see what uh, what's going on in this version of street of other of, of the street football game. Apparently, all the goals have been fashioned to be sh- giant shark mouths. You yeah, can, this is gets weird. Yeah, you can knock a tooth out of the mouth to get one point, or you can go inside the jaws and score for three. But then the shark mouth will try to eat you alive. So you're basically just crunched up. By yeah. a giant metal goal. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So, Minorina takes two progs off, and yeah, just sort of come back, recapping this stuff. Yeah, the teeth are, su- are super sharp, and it will cut you in half if it catches you. Be aware. Oh my god. <laughs> Luckily, the guy they show being cut in half is just a robot, so it's fine. Hooray, everything's fine. <laughs> so, the players come out for the pre-match, like, setup kind of thing. Jaws Jensen and Matt Talon start trash-talking, and a fight breaks out, but it's quickly cleared up. It's time for the match to begin! It's all very tense, everyone getting ready, looking at maps, that one shopkeeper adjusting his grip on his shotgun, all that stuff. Until, finally, the ball is dropped! Talon gets the ball, blasting Jensen so hard his helmet comes off, and he's off, leading his sh- leaving a shieldman behind, he's headed for the jaws of death. Next episode, Street Aggro. Oh, man. So, hey, they're playing a match. Hey, I'm ready for it. You know. Yeah. This one was a little weird just because there isn't a lot of content because there's only three episodes of it versus um, yeah. everything else. So, you know, it's hard to get a sense of it. But, yeah, you know, it's it's moving along a little bit. It's got, again... <laughs> It's got that 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 problem of just yeah, you last know. time on Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, here's the last page of this one. Here's the first page of this one. They're sort of the same. That just feels like it's a uh, feels like it's a time waster, which I'm not a huge fan of. I gotta say. <laughs> yes. But anyhow, time for exciting stuff. Ah, uh, it's always fun when old friends come back into town, Fox. I think you know that. Yep. And that's why we've got old friends coming back into town in Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. So script robot for Judge Dredd this month is John Wagner and Alan Grant writing as T.B. Grover. 
Art robots are Mick McMahon, Ian Gibson drawing as Emberton, and Ron Smith. Lettering robot is a Tom Frame. John. <laughs> <laughs> you said, that's okay, whatever. Um, so, <laughs> the Fink is in town, Foxy's come to kill. And he's got rats, and also a rat with a bowler. That's yeah. right. Yeah, definitely. Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, Judge Larder, who flew the Justice One during the Judge Child quest, is uh, riding around his lawmaster. He gets hit by a spiked ball full of poison or pison, as Fink calls it, which paralyzes him. Fink, grat. Oh, what? Oh, no, please continue. Okay. So Fink grabs Larder and carries him into the sewers where he's eaten alive by sewer rats. Not the uh, best fate. <laughs> no, not indeed. Hours later, the judges find what's left of his body, along with a calling card with a crude drawing of an angel and the word Fink. Meanwhile... Yeah, put that together pretty quick. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Meanwhile, back at his lair, Fink crosses the name Larder off of his kill list with Hershey and Dread still on it. So, a random citizen is poisoned on the streets of Mega City 1, Fox. Street... Right smack in the head. Totally, yeah, just to get taken down. Street Judge Barbara Hershey investigates. Meanwhile, Dread is shown the angel calling card from Larder's body, puts two and two together instantly. He tries to warn Hershey about a fifth angel, but it's too late. She is taken! It's, uh, like battle through like this whole like area of a um yeah like an apartment or something like yeah, that they, they like bailed on the street and he's just got this like mace ready to stab into her and she's beating the shit out of him for yeah man Hershey gives a pretty good accounting of herself but eventually gets hit by this paralyzer poison it's just you know you get scratched by it and you're instantly paralyzed there's not much you can do really exactly um, with the judges on his tail, Fink runs with the body of Hershey like on his shoulders. He he poisons a hotel pool and loses his pursuers in the chaos. Uh, Fink's status as the oldest judge child is confirmed to Judge Dredd. And as this happens, Fink, his rat sidekick Ratty, and Hershey's paralyzed body escape into the night. It's, uh was like this whole like chase sequence uh that was done super well yeah it's awesome yeah there's like a uh, guy dry like a guy you know think runs through this hotel and like poisons people as he goes and everybody's so the judges have to deal with like these guys these poison dudes they be like oh i'm dying and it's like all right we gotta deal with this so we can't chase fink fink like what a is sleepy by suction bets <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he but Fink, Fink escapes on, on like a mattress truck. That's what I'm going to guess. <laughs> Maybe they're beds that stick to things. I don't know. But Fair. like the, uh, the 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 driver recognizes that there's someone stowing away on his truck, and so he like looks over and he just gets a face full of crazy rat dude, and then Fink just shoots him right in the face. Dude, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty fucking awesome yeah so as hershey hangs upside down paralyzed fink angel reminisces after my angel died given birth to junior pie angel decided to teach his boys to be the meanest most evil boys the world has ever known hooray style equals fear yeah the true to the key to true evil is to have an individual style which Fink definitely has, as apparently he's been living in a hole in the ground since age seven. He's a born loner. <laughs> Just likes being in, like, weird crawl spaces. Yeah. Over the course of this flashback, we also see the angels, like, kidnap a doctor from Texas City to set up Mean Machine's Mean Machine in his head. <laughs> Because he was, like, too nice of a kid. Basically. Yeah, he's, like, like sniffing flowers and being peaceful. And they're like, that boy's too nice. We gotta make him mean. <laughs> so I guess just put a dial in his forehead and replace his arm with a giant metal arm. Uh, I mean, yeah. What, what, are you <laughs> what, are you what are you supposed to do? Huh? <laughs> Tell me that. <laughs> I guess I'm not... Uh... Make that boy mean. Give him a dial. Yeah. Regulates his meanness. Someone had a parent, but <laughs> make him just that's the right way. Use his metal head to headbutt everything it comes across. Everything <laughs> in whole creation. Give him crazy metal arm, so no one knows what he's thinking. 
Anyhow, during this point, uh, Fink heads off on his own to have poison-based adventures. The Over time, the radiation of the cursed Earth has warped him into the awful skeleton man we now know and love today. And caused him to meet and become friends with his buddy Ratty, the cursed Earth Rat. No, the story does not explain how Ratty got a tiny bowler hat. Anyhow... <laughs> Fink learned of the deaths of the rest of the gang, and now he's out for revenge, because revenge is always very important. He's got a special plan for Judge Hershey. Also, and this one, the, the, that last one was in Prague 95. Also in Prague 95, there's a second Judge Dredd story. Oh, yeah. Just because, I guess, they fell behind in deadlines for Mean Arena. So they had a second dread in 195, and then a Robo, a, 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 a Robo Tales in, that, in a 196. But so yeah, it's like super different. Yeah, it's well, they they you know it's it's drawn by Ian Gibson, who's got his really who's like man, he's just doing this. He's basically kind of I feel like he's doing almost like an impression of Mick McMahon here, because <laughs> you kind of get a sense of Gibson's art style, like you know he does like he did like a Robo Hunter and stuff. So it's got kind of that Robo Hunter vibe, but it's also got this really angular like rough. McMahon style tossed into it. That's that's very interesting, but also, ooh, it's real, real arresting just in how it looks and stuff. It's, and it's, yeah, everything's really in action, yeah. which is what I enjoy a lot. Yeah, it's very Cubist Judge Dredd almost. <laughs> so it's time for a t- for a, t- a it's time for a crime swoop, which is you know where the judge just burst down your door, <laughs> rip rip all your stuff apart, looking for crimes you've done. Hooray fascism. <laughs> oh, yes. Rather than answer the door, the citizen in the apartment just runs, and the judges give chase across the Barbara Streisand walkways. Uh, awesome. Dredd and Judge Turpin give chase, and they catch the man and bring him back to his apartment to search it. They tear his apartment apart, but they find no evidence of any wrongdoing. Eventually, the judges leave, no crimes found. But, you know, everyone's guilty of something, and Turpin <laughs> stays behind to find out via unfortunately torture we cut to turpin turning the perp in for three years in the cubes because of an old numbers racket he was involved in but dread had already planted a camera in the citizen's apartment just to see if he did anything illegal and so now he has video of turpin beating the confession out of the citizen on tape torture is a torture oh yeah please yeah torture is illegal for judges you can't like beat confessions out of people i guess which is i don't know it's an interesting just sort of one of these little wrinkles and folds of the law in uh in 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 mega city one well it's like you can't just go instigate with a non-combatant i think it's an interesting way to put it because judge dread will beat the shit out of you after you know he believes you did a crime definitely true fast enough but you're supposed to you're supposed to nominally Respect the citizens' rights, I guess, or something. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, uh, Judge Hilda Magruder, who is w- one of my faves, makes another appearance because she's the head of the SJS, the uh, the ones who judge the judges. And she sentences Judge Turpin to 20 years on Titan, and a citizen is let free, at least until he accidentally admits to running the numbers racket to dread. Back to the cubes. That was, it was so corny. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. You're free, all that shit. Hey, tell me, just between us, did you run the numbers racket? And he just confesses. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, back to the cubes. <laughs> <laughs> See ya, baby. I should mention also that uh, Judge Turpin is the evil judge from uh, the musical Sweeney Todd, uh, played by oh. Al- Alan Rickman in the uh, in, in the movie. Just like a little, like, um, I don't know, trivia here, just in terms of where the names for some of these guys come from sometimes. Huh. That's awesome. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, well, I was trying to look it up to see if this guy comes back, but all the all the um, all the all the search engine hits were for Sweeney Todd stuff. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. let's go to Recyc. This is awesome. Recyc's where all the dead bodies in Mega City One go to be harvested for parts and recycled. Hence the name. It's this. Huge structure, and Jesus Christ, it's incredibly terrifying. <laughs> it's, it is one of the, like, I want this print moments. Like, like yeah. This Mike McCannon thing is... McMahon, He's got yeah. shit going on. It's just, it's this huge color page of, or, you know, double color page of this huge, like, I feel like it's a, it's a, like a conveyor belt, I guess. 
and there's just dead, like naked dead bodies being tossed onto it, going to this huge mall that's full of like machines and like, you know, mechanical teeth and gears and stuff. And oh, it's real. It's super evocative and just bone chilling. Basically, just the, just the casualness with which these dead bodies are, are, uh, are, are dealt with, I guess. I couldn't have said that better. That's, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's just one of those banality of evil kind of things. I guess. Oh, just wait till we get to the end of this. Oh yeah, the most horrific thing ever happened. <laughs> nearly. Yeah. So, so it's here that Fink has brought the paralyzed body of Judge Hershey. He pissed his way through the uh, base, but is caught on video, and Dread is alerted, and he's on his way. Hershey, still alive but paralyzed, is put on the conveyor belt to be processed by Recyc. Fink describes it, and oh, it just like they rip your teeth out and you pulverize your bones and stuff. Oh my god! They rip out your eyes, yeah. suck out your intestines, and sh- it's like not going to be great for yeah. someone who's definitely alive. Definitely, Hershey. To her credit, is not like freaking out or like you know as I would be, just like screaming in terror inside her head as she as the machines like grab her head and prepare to like rip her eyes out. Basically, she's just like, oh, what a crazy way to go. Who'd have thought? Which, man, this lady is a badass, dude. <laughs> like, jeez. <laughs> and then there's just this arresting image of, like, these... I mean, he stops it, right? Yeah. But, like, the things have gripped onto her teeth, ready to pull. It's, like, about to start. the are just, like, right there. Yeah. Luckily, Dredd has fought his way into the facilities and stopped the machines just in time. Like, honestly, could have been a little sooner, <laughs> to be frank. Oh. And then the grossest fight in the world yeah. happens. So, so Fink and Raddy attack Dread. FYI, Raddy's one of those cursed earth rats, so his bite is like instant death. They fight out in the tunnels underneath Recyc, just knee deep in like bones and human soup, basically. Um, um. Uh, they go, they fight for a bunch. Dread forces Ratty to bite Fink, and the fight is won, and the two of them just kind of collapse in this big, uh, like, goop, essentially. And, ah, uh, it's, uh, everything about this is gross. Uh, also, we get our first, uh, Wang in 2000 AD in one of the scenes, because the bodies have all piled up, and there's just this huge mass of naked corpses. And you can make one out, I'm just saying. Um, that's sort of a creepy milestone for you. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, both Hershey and Dread are fine, and Fink has survived the bite of Ratty, but is now in an ISO cube forever. Ratty himself has escaped and is still at large inside Recyc, presumably just getting fat on human bodies. And just chilling out in a little nest, maybe. Enjoying his hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it. I got food now. And so we go, oh man, Fink Angel, it's crazy, but it's good to, um,. It's good to see Hershey back. You know, I love when some of our when some of our buddy judges show back up in the uh, in the comic. You know, whether it's uh, Magruder or Hershey or like Giant and stuff, it's always cool when those guys show up. I miss Judge Giant. You know, soon enough. So Fox deep in the Black Atlantic, which is what the oh Atlantic Ocean has become. It's completely just super polluted, and you touch the water, you die. Deep inside so there. Crazy. The evil captain Skank aboard his disused deep-sea defense platform dispatches hundreds of torpedoes full of pirates at a research vessel bound for Mega City 1. Oh, it's just, it's Ron Smith doing just like crazy art, because sometimes they just kind of say like, hey, Ron, like we need you to make this the craziest thing anybody's ever seen. And Ron's just like, yeah, okay, I can do that. <laughs> let, let me just, let me just make shark torpedoes hundreds <laughs> of shark torpedoes <laughs> they uh they they attack the ship they kidnap all the scientists aboard and head out among them as we learn in a mega city one uh judge's briefing is geno matrix the nuke boffin uh, also her- hey that guy's hair is snakes <laughs> mechanical snakes. yeah at least yeah skank's hair is in fact mechanical snakes uh snakes be very clear about it <laughs> With, uh, with Matrix's, um, knowledge, she could update the nuclear missiles inside Skank's underwater hideout, which could allow them to threaten Mega City 1 and the world at large. So, time to bring in the big guns. Dread is transferred to Atlantic Division to take this madman down. 
Meanwhile, at the base, Matrix, a lady with a scarlet witch headband, is refusing to help Skank until she is brought to Skank's mother, a giant mutant octopus with each of its tentacles ending in five snapping mouths! It's pretty horrific, it's actually. It's super duper terrifying. She agrees to help Skank, and now he'll have the power to challenge Mega City 1. Next episode, Nuclear Skankin'. Oh my god. Because cause Skankin's also a dance and stuff? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I had no idea. Oh man, you gotta skank around there, buddy. Um, <laughs> I'm alright. <laughs> I'm excited about this Pirates of the Black Atlantic stuff. You know, there's not there's not really a... He- or uh, There aren't a, a, a ton of super... You know, th- or let's start again. There aren't... There isn't a real big dread epic until the end of the year this year, but this is one of the fun sort of like multi-issue side stories that I think are also very neat and just sort of a, hey, here's another crazy threat to Mega City 1, you know, a mini apocalypse every week. I will also, I mean, for me, I love pirates. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is. I just fucking, you add a pirate to something I'm pretty into. (laughs) Nice. Hey, this one's got your got your future pirates on the Black Atlantic. It's good times. Yeah, whalers of the moon. <laughs> yeah, carrying harpoons. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so, from that high, man, six dreads in one episode. That's ridiculous. That's a lot of Judge Dredd. It's and true. It was kind of, it was weird. I mean, it's just it, it, it's definitely weird having that Ian Gibson one just in the middle of um the Fink Angel story. Like, it, it breaks it up in a really weird spot, and you aren't expecting it. Like, I, you turn to that page, and it's like, whoa, another dread? Wasn't there always dread in here? What's going on here? <laughs> it's definitely, I think, like, um, a lot more tame mm. than the rest of it. Although it does kind of, I mean, obviously deal with a man getting beaten by the police. And, so. yeah, and it implies sending a dude to Titan, which is pretty horrifying. Like, they, like, you know, remove your, they sort of join your mouth and your nose into a big breathing apparatus and stuff. Oh, God, poor Rico. <laughs> Man, know. Rico knew what he was getting into. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they mess up Rico's face so much that even though he's a clone of Judge Dredd, they can show you what he looks like because that's how bad it is. That's how bad messed up he is. It ain't great. Mm-hmm. It's not great whatsoever. Yeah. But so now let's cool down from all that Judge Dread action with non-thrills, covers, and nerve center. Oh, and Dash Decent. Mm, damn it. Happy New Year from Judge Dredd and Mick McMahon. They talk about the Eagle Awards here, but it's weird because like I look up the, the Eagle Awards on like Wikipedia and stuff, and they don't seem to have a category for favorite UK character or UK writer, which they say Dread and um, John and, and and the John Howard bot one, but whatever. The one thing Weird, that, really? that yeah, the thing that is funny about the 1980 Eagle Awards is that they had a category for both favorite main character and favorite supporting character uh, su- supporting character categories, and Wolverine won both of those, which <laughs> I think is pretty oh. good. <laughs> Oh, God. You can't underestimate 1980 Wolverine. So, <laughs> although, so horrible. And Brian Ballin definitely did win Best UK Artist in that, so I don't know. Also, Fox, in 193, the price of the prog has gone up to 15 pence. Boo! What the hell? Boo! <laughs> Will the galactic growth price stay the same? Hey, man, like, it's not our fault that Earth has inflation as opposed to all these other planets. And oh, man. Get out the galactic currency already, you dang-dang. It's true. In, in Dash Decent, the now evil Dr. Zelami is both built uh, a TARDIS, which I believe is like a UK mailbox. I think that's what it is. Um, and Dash and Zelami prepare to have a final showdown with like an arm wrestle on a greased tightrope high above the earth. So woo for fighting, I suppose. In the nerve center, Tharg makes a big deal about the, the eagles and apologizes for the rising price of the prog. Apology not accepted. Man, I need that extra penny. I seriously. In Prog 194, Dave Gibbons goes all out with crazy monsters to let us know that 1981 is the year of the alien. Thank God. Seriously. In Dash Decent, the fight between Dash and Zelami kicks off with Zelami's stunt double Captain Clap. Oh, God. Most of the action takes place off screen. The rest of the cast is shown being bored slash sleeping through it. So, no way. 
Listen, I mean, I've said this before about Dash Decent. The problem is that all these meta jokes about things being not funny or boring or something work <laughs> if your comic is funny and not boring. But as it is, oh, man, you're just you're doing lampshades in a really bad spot. Um, <laughs> I think that was a uh, critical strike. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I got feelings about things. Mid-Prog, Rojaws gives an extensive review for the Flash Gordon movie. Flash! Ah! Savior of the universe! Uh, he, he rated good, but not great. Uh, Count Thargula promises that aliens will visit Earth in the year 1981 and demands oh. that kids send in all alien sightings to a special address. God. Several, right. yeah, several writers in the Nerve Center seem to have a discussion about whether Dread is a robot or not, and several mm. other readers call out a mistake we missed, I think, where Nick Stone is called uh, Strong. They give his, his his name is Strong in Prog 186. Um, really, I forget if we got that or not. I will say that these kids need to lighten up. So. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a Mega City Top Ten list, but no Mac Mac songs this time. So you know, whatever. <laughs> The Earth dies screaming. <laughs> and pro- the- oh, go ahead. Yeah, you know. I'm just like, uh, who knows what's charted? You know, I mean, you know, there's like a cannibal corpse that's way more confrontational. I'm sure. I don't know if those chart, but still, you know what I mean. Um, Prog 195. There's another sweet Ian Gibson cover for Return to Armageddon, and it remains weird how he's doing covers for Return to Armageddon instead of Redondo. Yeah. yeah. In Dash Decent, as Dash and Zelami fight, Dale zaps the leader of the Pullet Men, those uh, chicken guys, with a blaster, which deep fries him, and he'll be deep fried for the rest of Dash Decent. The the fight ends with Dash getting tossed into the mailbox TARDIS, where he gets wrapped up in a Tom Baker-style hat and scarf and travels through time and space. In the Nerve Center, Tharg explains there's no mean arena this month, or... This week's story, so it's time for Double Dread. The letters demand a return of Rojaws and Hammerstein. And, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, definitely. And back issues for the first 125 progs. Sorry, Earthlet, you're going to have to find them yourself. Also a sweet picture of a battle trooper. Yeah, and this prog ends with more Nemesis teasers. This time, it's one of uh, Torquemada's gondola ships. It's super cool. It definitely looks like a uh, vehicle from the Dark Eldar in Warhammer 40k, and I swear I'm going to stop making 40k references when we talk about Nemesis. It's kind of (laughs) hard. My favorite part is the center seat, where it's just for a guy to stand. Yeah, big pulpit. Absolutely. Gotta do it. It's amazing. In a Prog 196, aliens attack inside the hatch. Fast! Dave Gibbons with a very colorful alien attack scene, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. Inside the mailbox... Oh, sorry. Inside the mailbox, TARDIS Dash gets a slightly new costume. He rejoins the actual comic through a comically small door, and that's comically like it is... like. A, a small door in the comics, not like a funny door. Anyhow, there's a uh, <laughs> there's a feature on casting a 2080 movie. Clint oh, Eastwood gets cast in like three different roles. Charles Bronson is in two. Most of the casting is moderate. I have to call out Ewell Brenner as Blackhawk, yeah. which is complete BS. Hell? Like, get out of here, you guys. And it's because he played the Pharaoh is why. It's because he's bald. Like, these guys just don't know a bald yeah. guy. But like. I- <laughs> Dude, boom, also. <sighs> Anyhow, they also cast Roger Moore as Wolfie Smith, which is ridiculous, because Roger Moore was was in his 50s in 1981. He was like 53. Man, I just like, Clint Eastwood is Judge Shred, maybe, but Johnny Alpha, I'm like, that man has no charisma. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely, yeah, he's definitely way better as the stoic, um, straight-faced, um, straight-faced Judge Dredd then is, like, you know, kind of cool, fun Johnny Alpha. You know, I mean, Johnny Alpha's serious, but he also kind of, you know, he hangs out with his buddies and stuff. He's Um, a good guy. Yeah. Also, um, like, Dan, or uh, Dash Decent gets a version, a a casting version from the TV show Tiswas, is how I think it's pronounced, which was a children's television show in this era, which specifically had a reoccurring character making fun, Making fun 
of this guy, David Bellamy, who was a TV guy who did like science things. And he had a lisp, which is apparently what the Dr. Zellamy character in Dash Decent is a parody of. Oh my god, this fucking rabbit hole. So, yeah, sh- sh- shout out to Steve Green, who's one of our uh, fans on Twitter and stuff, for explaining this to me when I was researching that uh, Weston Supermayor joke uh, last time. <laughs> because this is just, every, like, like I said there, like every time I think I got most of this British pop culture stuff uh, figured out, <laughs> there's some new wrinkle and suddenly there's just whole new worlds. And I'm like, what? That was a reference? <laughs> I thought it was just like a, a random joke, but it was like that's like a thing. That's like another thing. How? What's happening? You know that that that's me. Whenever I try to look up jokes in 2018, suddenly I'm, I realize there's five more jokes that I just wasn't even equipped to understand. <laughs> I just I don't even. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? How much I miss? <laughs> what the? Fuck? Yeah, I gotta say. Um, the 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 two fun the two things I like about these kind of casting things that they do every once in a while is one um, almost you know pretty I mean obviously everybody they list are are people who I encountered when I was like you know a kid myself but you know like ten years after all this stuff is uh was printed so in my mind all these suggestions are like that guy's too old that guy's too old to be Dan Dare but I'm like looking at it from like either my like you know late 80s early 90s conception of that person or even like a 2017 <laughs> conception of that oh, person big time <laughs> it's like you know like you can't put clint eastwood as drudge dread like in the 80s version like clint eastwood's like 90 years old dead. yeah but like no like, they, <laughs> they could do it maybe in the 80s i don't know um the other one is i just like when there are random uk only celebrities tossed into these casting things and i have to be like all right i know that guy i know that guy i know that guy what can i gotta like google it and then it's another just rabbit hole of like what who are these people kind of things anyhow in the nerve center tharg the saint louis leopard thanks us for our movie casting ideas and the uh, writer Mark Honan of Reading suggests that the government of the judges is unfair and not well run. I, I like agree, but I think that's also kind of the point of Judge Dredd, to be honest. Um, there's also a, yeah, there's also a half page story explaining the cover. It was just like a fun alien attack yarn. It's just part of our year of the alien coverage. And then. This prog ends with a nice family photo of the Angel Gang, complete with Fink in his hole. Happier days. Aww. And prog- Beautiful. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, nice thing. Got the death dates of most of the, of most of the family on there, too, which is always very nice and complete. In, in Prog 197, a mushroom cloud knocks Dread off of his bike. Catch Captain Skank, or Mega City One dies. The fact that he's called Captain Skank remains very humorous to me. I just want to put that out there. Um, <laughs> but excellent Brian Ballin cover strange. here. Yeah, it's definitely definitely really grabs you just because it's got the mushroom cloud and Dread being blown away by it and stuff. So, in the Prague, oh, the Dan Dare TV series has been grounded. What does this mean? Before they could start filming it, they had it cast and everything. They It was called off. Apparently, it was going to be really expensive. They were going to do the whole thing in chroma key. So, like, in front of a blue screen, essentially. Which sounds like it could have been rough in 1980, but is super ahead of its time in terms of sci-fi movies and television shows. Mm. Isn't that right, George Lucas? Oh, <laughs> oh boom. But, uh... Anyhow, in Dash Decent, the evil Pong decides to head back to his home planet to reconquer it, but the dogmen that took it over from him uh, rally all the different people of the planet to fight him off, and Dash accidentally, like, brainwashes Zelami, I guess? Next episode, the end of Dash Decent. In in the nerve center, Tharg wishes well to all of his readers, especially those currently in the hospital because of the rampant thrill power overloads in recent procs. Tharg. What a dick! I love it, man. Tharg also suggests that it's not cool to ju- to draw Judge Dread on your exam papers, and you know, be cool in school, kids. You know, there's also a big reader art page in this prog, complete with a sweet Judge vehicle, the Sonic Speed Machine, a weird monster called the Dungeon of Tiswerwick, and a picture of Tharg as a telephone. We've all been thinking it. <laughs> 
the, the, yes, this prog Have ends we? with a with a great Thargus Mach One color back cover. Not a Beetlejuicy and Bruiser, more of an alien megastar. And uh, transmits hyper thrills across the reading galaxy. That's what Tharg stands for, apparently. If you want to work that out, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just good fun. And speaking of good fun, Fox. Oh God! Thrill four meltdown, man. Oh, this is good. Script- like meltdown, man. Yeah, man. Script robot for meltdown, man. Alan Hebden, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, lettering robot Jack Potter. So, a bunch of no good kids are hunting a gazelle Yuji for sport, mortally injuring it with some bolas, and then just leaving it to die in agony. While they take a picnic, and yeah. it's just like, please finish me, get, like, mercy murder me. Their, their picnic is serenaded by the death screams of this gazelle Yuji. Oh my god. <laughs> Luckily, Nick Stone and Liana are there to kill the human's guards and take the kids hostage. They finish off the gazelle and steal the kid's car, making them walk back, even though, oh, it's hot, we're wearing flip-flops. <laughs> Nick gives Liana a chance to kill the kids, but she doesn't, which apparently proves something about Yuji not Yuji's not having like the pure monstrous hatred of humans. I I don't know. Anyhow, um, the pair <laughs> drives out to their next destination, the evil Plague Mire. Welcome to Plague Mire, Fox. Your car just broke down. It's uh, it's really detailed and beautiful. It's it's pretty similar to the uh, to the mushroom forest of of, of Blackhawk of just mm. Bellardinelli drawing this massive background of like a forested you know this huge forest and swamp and stuff. Super gross. Yeah. So Nick and Liana start walking through the swamp, Princess Bride style. When Liana, <sighs> with Liana explaining that the Mire is both home to the deadly Meta Plague and is full of wild Yugis of different random types, like the eel Yuji trying to eat Liana, <laughs> or the rodents of unusual size. Absolutely, yeah. This thing is introduced as a conga. Which is an animal I'd never heard of. I looked it up. It apparently is not an animal, but might be like a conger eel that is being misspelled oh. for some reason here. I don't know. Huh. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to accept things that in England they, they call them congas instead of congers. I'm thinking that this is more <laughs> someone said, oh yeah, some English guy said, oh, right, put a conga in the, in, in the meltdown, man. And like Alan Hebden didn't understand that and just heard him say conga. <laughs> and so. <laughs> There, here we are. Like any anything could happen. Anyhow, any uh, Nick fights it off. <laughs> yeah, and that night afterwards, they're attacked by a pair of horrifying vampire bat Yuji and Yuji's, and now Nick and Liana both have the meta plague. Not great, yeah. I guess. Liana runs off into the night and bumps into a bunch of like monkey and crocodile men. While Nick stays put, but suddenly sees that his hair and beard are growing at an incredible rate. It's the plague! Oh my god. And then uh, the crocodile guy and the other dude, they're not evil, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so both Nick and Liana have the meta plague. They're ravenously hungry. Their hair is growing at insane rates. Leon, like They're just like g- g- pulling random animals off of tree stumps and slamming them in their faces. Just eating rats left yeah. and right. Liana gets trapped in a pit trap by the locals. Meanwhile, Nick Stone falls and breaks his leg, but then it instantly heals. This gives him an idea. He takes he uh, takes the UG village hostage and eats all their food, making yeah. Liana eat food too. He eats six months worth of food in one sitting. But eventually the plague burns itself out. So that's the cure, basically. You can cure the plague if whoever gets it eats six months of food in like a two-hour period. So, you know, just start stocking up food, I guess, because that's like a reasonable (laughs) cure. Anyhow. (laughs) Wow. This means that it's time for haircuts and new character models. Oh, yes. Oh my god. Nick gets she a beard. Looks like a human. Yeah, and Liana just goes straight human. She's got waist-length waist hair. She's got a new outfit with a mini skirt. It's time to go. It's really weird how Liana's the only person with the only Yuji with a human face. Like, yeah. I'm calling them on it, you know. <laughs> um 
Um, also, I will no longer be referring to him as anything other than Snake Plissken. <laughs> He's full with the eye patch and the beard and stuff. It's good. So they're awesome. they're full of Plaguemire, or they're through the Plaguemire. It's time to check in on the other parts of the team. Oh man, I love the man of team in. Yeah, man, we cut to Gruff, who's hanging out at a riverside bar. It's super awesome. There's platypus people. There's a bunch of manatee guys. It's real cool. Manatee guys, very friendly, very good guys to hang out with at the bar, apparently. But then Billy the pup barges in to arrest Gruff. The, the, the river folk go along with this at first, but then they soon think better of it, and they start a barroom yes. rumble to help Gruff escape. They're successful, but Lee Shar orders them all killed for his ins- for their insolence. He does this over the phone as he and Tiger Commander are searching for King Seth, the hypnotic Cobra Yuji that's currently in T-Bone the Bull Man's sack. Like the sack he carries over his shoulder. That's what I'm trying to say. I love the name Tiger Commander. (laughs) Totally, man. So yeah, it's it's like Tiger Millionaire on the Steven Universe. But anyhow. Exactly. The only place they haven't looked is the Vats. In the Vats, T-Bone is addressing the secret society of Vatmen about joining with Stone. The Batmen are in favor of it until Lee Shar and his goons arrive. Luckily, having a sack full of King Seth enables T-Bone to mind whammy his way to safety. <laughs> T-Bone heads out to talk to the other Vatman societies, taking King Seth with him as Seth schemes. So, with their looks changed, Nick and Liana chance going to a predator post to demand transport to the town of Anvil, because it'll take forever for them to get there on the donkeys they just got from that Yuji town they ate a year's <laughs> worth of food for. So, <laughs> the country bumpkin minks there buy their ruse, and soon the pair is speeding to Anvil. But their predator driver recognizes them and tries to secretly radio ahead to have them arrested. But don't worry, he thought ahead, I guess. Yeah. At Anvil, the uh, they go to, to Mugger and Son Master Metalsmiths, and Stone reveals that he has disabled the car's radio ahead of time, so there's no help coming, Gorp! <laughs> As, uh, as Stone explains his plans to the Gorilla Blacksmiths, he casually judo-throws the Predator into a vat full of molten metal. Um, just as he's explaining, so, hey, when is Nick Stone going to melt, dude? He's a meltdown man. He hasn't melted. Anyhow, the, uh, <laughs> the Gorillas agree to the plan. In his head, he's calling the gun he's designing an AK-47 machine pistol, which I'm not sure is a thing that exists, but let's not kind of get into gun nut territory here. With the plan sent to the blacksmiths, and they're working on it, it's time for Stone and Liana to go to the rendezvous point, where they'll meet Gruff and T-Bone. I hope they're okay. Next episode, seize the wolf. We need more meat for supper. (laughs) (laughs) I like the, uh, the, the, the meta plague as a stealth way to, like, change the looks of, uh, of, of Nick and Liana. Like, they were tired of Liana having short hair and wearing a jumpsuit. So they just had her grow her hair out and wear a mini skirt now. Like it's uh it's an entire episode just for it. It's 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 an interesting it's an interesting choice and it's an interesting way to do it. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I and like she's still a cat, Yuji. Oh yeah. So yeah. why are you humanizing that? You know who can who can know the mind of this sort of thing. <laughs> hey, speaking speaking of both not knowing what's going to happen and people melting, Fox. Oh man, I'm so excited! <laughs> Thrill Five, return to Armageddon. <laughs> Script robot is Malcolm Shaw. Art robot Jesus Redondo. Lettering robot Bill Nuttle. Okay, so Havoc, the space pirate leader, he's tired of these devil babies being babies, Fox. So let's toss them into these energy cell things and make them grow up real fast. Uh, stop being babies, babies. Yeah, exactly. We also see the the eyes of that giant triad lady, which, if you're reading this, you should avoid looking at those if you got that uh, tripopophobia thing, where, like, you... Because they look like just, like, lotus pods just inside this lady's head. Gross. Yeah. The kids are tossed in the pods, and the pirates have a party, except for the one named Shadow, who's very nervous about all this stuff. It turns out he's right, because when everybody wakes up from the party, they find that the planet is completely drained of life. All of the plants, animals, people, everything, all just sucked away. It's a barren wasteland that's rapidly having earthquakes and stuff. 
like ridiculous when you find out why. Even the members of the pirates suddenly start to be drained and just collapse into spent husks of former human beings. Only like, of like the 50 dudes that were at the pirate party, only like four or five of them are alive to return to the triad lady to learn that all the life energy of the planet has been drained to power the coming of the Destroyer. He comes out of the pod, a full-grown devil man. De- Death has been reborn! It's uh, it's a really great way to get me excited about this man. This guy is just full-on goat legs, wings, and horns, devil man. He's got, <laughs> he got earrings somehow. Where did he get earrings? I don't know. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> Havoc tries to play it tough. With the full power destroyer, like not kneeling to his demands and stuff, the destroyer responds by having the insides of Havoc bo- of Havoc's body just become like worms that are eating him alive, just coming out of his skin, like ah, I'm full of worms. And then another guy snake bite, who's covered in tattoos, makes his tattoos like come alive and start attacking him and stuff. So the pirates uh, bow to the, the destroyer's will. And we're told that the other devil baby uh, died in the energy seal. It's a bummer, but hey, whatever. It's time to destroy the galaxy. Autobots roll out. Armageddon is at hand. Oh, my God. But it turns out that... Don't worry. I guess we're going to birth us a a good guy. Yeah, that was a lie, Fox, because the blonde baby is alive and comes out as a normal young man. I don't know where he got clothes (laughs) either. Whatever. The the triad tells him that... (laughs) He's the only hope against the Destroyer, and, um, yeah, he's the only hope about the Destroyer, and he's about to head out when Braun, who, I remember, if you remember last time, like, one of the guys that questioned Havoc, like, caught on fire and wouldn't die and just kept burning forever? Oh my god, he's still around. He's apparently been burning over the last day or so. Um, just engulfed in flames and not dying. So he he picks his burning, like, corpse up and runs off to tell the story about this burned kids. So hopefully he can get his flames put out. (laughs) Um, so the triad gives the blonde kid two things. One is a belt that will let him jump back ten seconds in time. And his name, Amtrak! (laughs) All aboard for discount train prices. I mean, this comes from um, one of the 2080.org um, summaries of Return to Armageddon. But this is basically like if there was in a, if, if, there, if there was an American comic where there was a character named British Rail, because <laughs> because Amtrak is just the name of like the government funded like train system in the United States. <laughs> like if you take yep. a passenger train in the U.S., that's an Amtrak train. You know what I mean? It's amazing. It's hard not to laugh and make train puns whenever I say his name. Fox, I'm trying not to. <sighs> but um, I'm going to come equipped next time. What? I'm coming equipped with train jokes next time. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the triad orders Amtrak to find the Stones of Eternity to take down the Destroyer. And apparently Atlanta Watts, the ship captain from the first part of this story, has them but doesn't know what they are. Meanwhile, Braun has informed on Amtrak, and in response, the Destroyer allows him to finally die from the flames that have engulfing him. <laughs> and Wow, great. In a fit of rage, the Destroyer destroys the Triad, or sorry, he turns the Triad to stone and then shatters her as Amtrak makes his escape in a stolen ship. But instead of, a ch- of chase him, the Destroyer just sends some evil energy at Amtrak, which causes him just to fucking melt in a horrifying, into a horrifying melt man monster. Like, take Toxic Avenger, multiply it by that dude from Robocop, and just, oh. and then like, just add some soup, and you got what Amtrak looks like now. Oh, it's just, We're he's disgusting. just a gross, melty man. But wait, Foxy's got that belt. He, uh, he goes back in time 10 seconds and manages to dodge the Destroyer's attack. Non-melted. Nice. But uh, it looks like the Destroyer had two of those attacks lined up, so Amtrak gets remelted. Not super great. <laughs> He's adrift in a stolen pirate ship, a melting, super gross being in constant pain, longing for death. A a passing ship picks up Amtrak's vehicle, neutralizes it, and then sends this scout sphere thing to investigate. 
The Which sphere, is awesome. Totally. The Sphere finds Amtrak and tries to put him out of his misery. Extermination complete. Or so it seems, because in fact, Amtrak's body is healing itself. He can't be killed or even really, like, injured. His body just returns, no matter what you do, his body just returns to its baseline, complete melty agony state. <laughs> um, he, he, he's been picked up by robots, um, and they're intrigued by his situation, which is rough because they're robots that are like collector bots. They've been traveling the galaxy for 500,000 years, picking up specimens for their masters, which are obviously now long dead. Um, Amtrak is nearly put into a suspended animation tube for all time, but he manages to convince the bots to give him a ship and a robot helper, which he can use to stop the destroyer. We've got to hurry because every minute of agony is every minute is agony to Amtrak at another step nearer Armageddon. Oh my god. The horror continues next episode. You just never know where this damn thing's going. You can't it's like it's like it's like putting your thumb over the end of a hose. Like it's just it goes every which way it can. <laughs> like you can't predict it. It's amazing. Cuz like cuz like this is another one where um <laughs> I thought for sure that 10 second belt <laughs> was gonna yeah. un- undo this and he'd be fine like you know he's melting like okay yeah but he's got the belt but then he gets hit again and he's remelted and it's like dude you remelted him <laughs> <laughs> that's Damn, just bro. what he is this is gonna be a melt this is like just star in a melty guy <laughs> what's happening <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> it's so good all right fox one last thing oh geez just taking the place of Mean Arena when it took a second week off. It's time for Thrill Six Rojaws Robo Tales. Woo, Rojaws. Yeah. Script robot for this one's Gary P. Rice. Art and lettering robot is Dave Gibbons getting that sweet double money. Ruben T. Corona is getting out of jail for the fifth time in a future world with a six strikes in your out rule. He's trying to go straight. But all he has to his name is a dumb robot he salvaged years ago. But it turns out that robot might actually be that dumb. On their way home, they get stopped by an accountant that wants to use the robot to do calculations. And soon Ruben is renting out the bot to do various math and computer functions all over town, starting with a big research project about hypnotism. So soon the bot is doing over 25 complex operations at once, and it fries his robot heart. He dies! And then some creepy stuff happens. Yeah, Ro- Ruben doesn't care until that night he's visited by the robot's ghost that yells at him. He buys an exorcism kit and heads to the robot's scrapyard to free himself of this curse. But what he does, all the metal scrap attacks him. He gets picked up by the cops for breaking and entering into the scrapyard. And because it's a sixth strike, he goes back to jail for life. In his cell, he gets a final vision of the robot who used the information from those hypnosis documents it read to hypnotize robot to, hip, to hypnotize Ruben to imagine all the robot ghosts and the scrapyard attack that was all in his head now he's in jail for life and the robot has its revenge beep, beep, beep. he predicted every single move <laughs> he knew what would happen use that post hypnotic suggestion hypnotizing robots hey be nice to robots guys they'll be nice to you that's what i say yeah that's what i'm talking about man all right and fox that's the end of our thrills for this month so only one question remains what are your top and bottom thrills for this january 1981 uh it's super easy for me to pick my top it still remains return to armageddon <laughs> this is like the most bizarre amazing series that i've read in a while nice. i'm really enjoying myself i just i keep i hope it keeps going on this tangent and i keep <laughs> seeing just stranger and stranger space devil craft <laughs> absolutely that's awesome so what's your what do you got on the bottom what's picking up what's picking up the rear for you uh you know to be honest like Fucking, I hate picking on me and Arena, but like, still, just kind of, I like I hear you. to the game, guys. Basically, yeah, I, I'm glad it's getting there. It's not like the worst read in the world, but it is just still kind of half measures, you know? Yeah, I hear you. 
So how about yourself, Conrad? What was your top and bottom throw? Oh, man. I really do agree that um, a return to Armageddon is just... Oh, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> and, like, when they when he melted and then remelted, that was like a mind-blower for me. Uh, where it's oh, just, God. like, how can... This is the... What's, what's going to happen? I don't... Like, this is... <laughs> One of the ones I didn't read very closely, so I don't really know what's going to happen. And the fact oh, that, that's awesome. that I both don't know that and, like, it's so off the wall constantly is just really making a really a really awesome experience for me with Return to Armageddon, where it's like, oh, well, I don't know, you know? <laughs> it's going to be cool, I guess. <laughs> so far, so good. Like, pirates and zombies and fucking yeah, devils. Yeah, totally. I also want to uh, call out... Um, Judge Dredd, though, of course, uh, the Sphinx Angel story is a fun story and just sort of more Angel Gang stuff, more Hershey stuff, which I always like, um, and also sort of a good stuff. And just a general achievement of having, you know, this is like a big episode, this is a five-prog episode, having six dreads in there, just just a, a triumph of back-cataloging extra stories and stuff like that. Um it's bizarre stuff, man. Yeah. For my bottom, man, I gotta say Mean Arena 2 is short this month. Um... And just a lot of setting up. I do appreciate the backstory um, things, but man, you know, the rough thing is, I I am worried that we're just going to hate on Mean Arena for the next like se- like six months. So, like, I'm definitely trying to keep an eye out for when other things sort of, you know, for for when Mean Arena has bright spots and can sort of push up. Above the floor, I guess. But above itself, yeah. Well, yeah, but like, I mean, right now it's like it's Dread and Strontium Dog, which are two like Rushmore, like top all time thrills. And then it's Meltdown Man and Return to Armageddon, which are both like fun, like, like, like cult thrills, basically. They're sort of like, you know, here's sort of what you get when you want to get to some of the off the beaten path fun stuff. And it's just, you know, uh, just sort of pales in comparison to all that stuff and it's just tough because we are going to have this lineup for a bunch of months so you know that's sort of how it goes <laughs> yeah i mean and you've just got to contend with what you've got right yeah i mean you know you play in the prog you're in you know that's just the the nature of the beast <laughs> yeah awesome Anyhow, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at Cradleline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, just look up Space Spinner 2000 and we should be there. And of course, we're on the 2080 forums. And hey, you know, if you want to drop a review on any of those platforms, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You know, five stars preferred, of course. Um, five whatever. stars, thumbs up, bags of popcorn. Yeah. Whatever the rating system, really. Hey, we like doing this show, and we'd like you to like us doing the show. So, <laughs> come back next time as we reach the 200th prog of 2000 AD. We'll begin the multi-month Strontium Dog origin story Portrait of a Mutant. Judge Dredd fights pirates on the Black Atlantic. Meltdown Man learns the truth. The Thrill Suckers return. And I can't even begin to explain what's going to happen in Return to Armageddon. But guys with angel wings are involved. Oh, that's so awesome. Also, tune in next Friday as our Space Spinner 2000 collection series rolls on. Until next time, I'm Conrad. He's Fox. And we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid for Thigh!